0: Hi everyone, welcome to tonight's episode of the Hot Widows Club podcast. My name is Crystal and I am the hot widow of Eric. And beside me is the fresh out of the water, Allie, the very <laughs> hot widow of Ross. Fresh out of the water, hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's like fresh off the boat, something oh, like that. Okay. I mean, she just straight off fresh the water. Fresh off this interstate. <laughs> From the water park where she was at. So we also have super special guest with us tonight. The very hot friend of Anne, Emily. Hi. Hi. Emily, welcome to the Hot Widows Club podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Cool. I'm super excited because if you guys don't know this, I learned about it at the Physical Fitness Center, also known as Orange Theory Fitness. Shameless plug. Start paying me for shamelessly plugging you. But it is National Best Friends Day. It was like yesterday. I didn't know that. Or today. So mm. I didn't even
1: get you a gift. I didn't even know about it till just now. So
0: So here we are. (laughs) Emily, did you know it was National Best Friends Day? I
2: think I saw something posted from someone like someone
0: else. Okay. No one called me or
2: texted me or
0: (laughs) nobody sent me a card or a gift. So I'm pissed about that. But here we are, and it's happening. So, what a great night to record the old HWCP on this—the mm-hmm. hot are the best friends day. So, all right, let's talk about Nebraska. Rainy, hot, so
1: hot. It's been less than half shirt, half pant clothes. This last week has been in the hundreds, over a hundred. Mm-hmm. It's awful. It's been very hot, but I feel like the month of July has been the rainiest that I've can remember. Like my front yard is green. Yeah. Mine and is growing. too.
0: Yeah. Mine is too.
1: So although it's, we've had a really hot week, I would say the month of July has been, there's been a lot of rain.
0: You know, you said your grass is green in your front yard. Uh-huh. So is mine, except for the places where my kids have put Dawn dish soap on their slip and slide oh. to tear up my yard.
1: Oh, it is. It is. Destroy the grass. It
0: has destroyed my grass. Oh, no. So Emily is here with us from Colorado. So she's actually not in the studio, but she's remote with us. So Emily, how's the weather been there? Hot, hot, hot. Um, We had a really moody
2: spring into like early summer, which was glorious. And it rained every afternoon. And then now it's just blazing
0: hot. Like blazing balls fucking hot. Blazing balls fucking hot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. We like moody afternoons
2: here, is what we're going for. Even if it doesn't rain, a thunderstorm rolls in.
0: Is it uncharacteristically hot there? Or is this normal?
2: I think it's pretty normal. Got it. I wouldn't say we're part of the ridiculous heat wave. I know it's a heat wave all over the mm-hmm. world. Yeah. But 20 years ago, it rained one afternoon. We hope for a moody afternoon.
0: Good. My moody. <laughs> My afternoons are always moody, <laughs> whether or not there's always a little moodiness in the crystal scale on, on every day. So,
1: all right, Al, what other updates do we got? What do you have over there? So it's interesting that today is best friends day. Because you got me a present? No, I literally <laughs> didn't know, um, <laughs> but I'm really missing Ross, obviously, but. I just wanted to say how much I miss him to the world because I love him so much. And I miss him so, so much. And I literally think about him every single day, multiple times a day. And yes, I'm two years out from his passing, but I miss him so, so much. I just miss him. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to share how much I miss my best friend. That's Um, super
0: hard, Al. I mean, that's super deep. Thanks for sharing that because- I think it's important that you know in this journey that this grief journey—it's not necessarily the widowhood journey only. You know, as Emily is here to talk about today, you can miss your people every single day, and it never gets easier just because it's two years.
1: No, it really doesn't. I I just miss him so so much, and I miss talking to him. Like I talk to him as if he's here, but I just wish I could hear his voice. I could wish I could hear his advice to me. I miss. Everything about him, even his snoring.
0: <laughs> I do not miss Eric snoring at all. I mean, I miss a lot of things about him. I'd love to hear his voice. I want to hear his car coming in the garage so fucking bad. It hurts. Every time the garage door goes up, I crave that he walks through that door in a red coat. Yeah. He has a red ski coat that he always wore.
1: We went to Iowa this weekend and we drove Ross's car. And I was just will never get rid of that thing because every time I'm in it, I smell him. Mm. I still smell him in that car.
0: Even after I spilled food in
1: it. Yes. Yes. Even after you spilled that slushy. (laughs) Nope. Still smells like Ross. So that was my, that's really my update is that I miss him so, so much. And I have been feeling him so much lately. Mm. I just, thank you, Ross. Uh, He's been sending us so many signs And I think it's because we've been doing so many things that he loves. Okay. So the month of July has been a big one for us with things that Ross would love. So the first we celebrated Gus's birthday. Yes. He would love that. Absolutely. Love that. I a rager of a party. I got a dunk tank. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I put a dunk tank on my driveway and just had an absolute ball with that dunk tank. We went camping. We went camping for the first time since Ross passed. Now let's talk about this. Did you pitch a tent? No, somebody pitched it for me. So we slept in a tent and we slept on blow up mattresses, but at Lake Cunningham, yep. I guess shout out plug. I don't know. They have, I don't know what it's called. It's like fireflies camping. They set up the tent for you. And it was so nice because I, I'll be honest. I don't know how to set up a tent. You know how I know? How? <laughs> Super dad, Eric, fucking stud,
0: taught Amelia, my 14-year-old, genius daughter, who in turn taught her 40-year-old mother. Nice. 40 years old, and I can't put up a tent, but my 14-year-old can.
1: I mean, I can't either. So it's that's awesome, though. Go, <laughs> Millie. Millie, you'll teach you. Go, Millie. The next thing is we went fishing for the first time since Ross's passed. We went with my dad because I don't know how to bait a hook, but I can fish. I know how to fish. And so we had so much fun. Oh my gosh. I felt Ross so much. Mm -hmm. He loved to fish. I don't know if people know this, but he loved, loved, loved to fish. When he was in high school, he would spend all summer, like at night after he worked fishing. Wow. Like through the night. So that was- Did he
0: sing you and me go fishing in the dark?
1: I I didn't know him then. So I don't know, Maybe. Probably I, not. He didn't like country music. Sometimes I
0: sing that to Benny at night before bed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you want me to sing it now? Just kidding. I'm not going to. <laughs> but if you if you DM me, you get a private session of Crystal singing Fishing in the Dark at the Hot Widows Club podcast. Nice. We'll socials. add a little clip. We'll add a little clip of me behind the mic.
1: Hank will sing with you. Excellent. He's having a rock star birthday party. told me. Yeah, that's what he wants for his birthday. Rock star. Roll. And then uh, we did the golf outing. Which was, as we talked about last time, amazing. Yeah. Just, I don't know. I don't have words words yet. One day I will. (laughs) Right. Um, But I felt Ross the whole day that day. And then this last weekend we went to Des Moines and we went to Adventureland and we spent the weekend with his cousin Jill and her kids and her husband. And I just... I don't talk about it enough on here, but I just love Ross's family. Like they're my family. It's like a piece of Ross and I just can never get enough time with him. Mm -hmm. Like I love all of my time with his family because it's like being with him again. And I don't know. I texted crystal, I think on Friday and I said, I feel him here. I Mm -hmm. feel him here. And if you've lost somebody, you want to feel closer to that person. You don't want to feel farther away. So you want to talk about them. You want to do things that they love. Mm-hmm. You want to do things that they, in their memory. And so I just felt really close to him
0: this Good. weekend. I'm glad. I yeah. want him to be close to you all the time.
1: Hey, no, Don't go
0: away, Ross. Never leave Ross. Never leave. Never leave Eric either. But yeah. I felt really far away from him. And I feel like it's because like my life is just moving like I'm a, I'm kind of just changing and growing and my kids are changing and growing. He's so he's so instrumental, foundational in who we are. Like he created the base of our life. And yeah. so I just keep him so alive through that that we never miss him. But sometimes I just need him to come back to me. I need him to like lay beside me. Mm-hmm and hold me and I kind of needed that today because it was uh, I was laying down it was like four and I took a nap and it was raining and I was by myself in my bed and I was like I just what I wouldn't give to have him there and to feel mm-hmm. me there yeah I was talking to somebody over the weekend talking about grief and loss and this is someone who hasn't experienced grief and loss like like we have and I was talking about you know there's a moment when you're lying on the kitchen floor, sobbing, and craving your person to come back to you. Yeah. And it is at the, the depths of despair, the lowest of lows, the most pain you've ever felt to see your own tears on the tile floor. Like it just becomes the most painful thing to only drag myself up my stairs to lay in the position that he died in. So I can feel him because I know what that position looks like. Mm-hmm. Hoping to feel his energy. Yeah. And to like relive that moment and to kind of think through those things, I was begging for him to come to me, like just really thinking, God, I wish I could have you by me again.
1: Yeah, I know. It's interesting when you feel those, you talk about those depths of despair. Like I feel like I still have them. Mm-hmm. Like I really don't think that that will ever go away. Like this weekend, we had such a good weekend spending time with Ross's family. But at night again, I texted Crystal last night. We had spent all day in the sun and just had a blast. And I was so sad last night. And I was like, why am I so sad? It's because I miss him. Even when you are at these happy moments, you could be having the best time. Yeah. You know, you are missing something. And, it doesn't go away. And I actually sometimes feel just as sad in the in the sad moments as I do in the happy moments. Like I've come to terms with it. Yeah, and There's no getting away from that.
0: It's kind of just part of what you get when you inherit grief. Yes. right. Because you don't get to choose it. You just, it gets thrown on you, mm-hmm. right? And you can't walk away from it. You can't change it. Be like, oh, grief, I don't have to deal with that, right? And when Emily starts talking, you know, I think it'll be important to hear her story too because it's going to be, Interesting that her grief isn't through a spouse, but it's through a very dear friend. You just don't get to walk away from it. You don't get to be done with it. You carry it forever and you hold on to it. Well, think it's a good time to introduce Emily a little bit more. So Emily is joining us from Salida, Colorado. I met her, gosh, Emily, was it like a year ago I met you? I think it was. So my very dear friend, you all have maybe heard me talk about him. Jim, he's a widower. He lives in Colorado. His wife is Anne, and she passed away in January of 2022. Uh, And I met Jim shortly after that. And we just became instant friends, and we connected right away. And he's just a really big part of my life. And so when I met Jim for the first time, he was with Emily. And... Emily and I are sitting down by um was it is it the Arkansas, right? Is that goes to Salida? Uh-huh. Yes. So we're on the Arkansas River, and I'm down there, and this is big. It was the weirdest, like, first meeting of anyone I've ever met in my life. It felt so weird and uncomfortable to me. Do you remember me telling you how weird mm-hmm. it was? And I don't know why, but it was just weird. I remember calling Jim, like, four nights later and being like, that was so weird. What was that all about? And he's like, uh, yeah, I agree. That was really, really weird. But through it, I met Emily. And so Emily and I, I'm laying down by the dock, I'm a year out, I'm in Colorado and um, just really enjoying myself. And Emily comes down and I just was immediately taken aback by her beauty. Like she's a stunning woman and she comes down and she's like, hi, I'm Emily. And she just has this beautiful energy. You can feel it. And I'm kind of in this deep place. I, I Do remember that, Emily? And I was just kind of zoning out, really not sure of what I was doing there. And she starts talking about about Jim and I and just our loss, just our overall loss of our spouses. And then she just really starts to talk about Anne and how she loved her and how hard this was for her. And I could feel her pain. Mm-hmm. And I did something that I, I even texted Emily a couple of days later. I actually like Emily was like Emily needed me in the moment, like from a grief standpoint. And I shut down. Do you remember that when I was like, I, I don't want to talk about this? I love that. It's like you creating about you were like right away.
2: I didn't understand that it was your one year anniversary. Yeah. You weren't rude about
0: it. You were <laughs> I just felt that. Like- <laughs> I, right? I was not going to go there in that moment. But what I could feel from Emily was the pain and what she needed from the loss of her dear friend. And I didn't really know how to handle that because I was dealing with my own grief mm-hmm. so seriously in the moment. And so I remember texting her later and just being like, I'm sorry that I was this way. I'm not normally like that. I don't know what came over me. But uh-huh. so it's been two years now that I've known Jim. You know, we'll talk about Emily and her husband, Jake, in moments at time. And so I, I asked him the other day, I said, hey, do you, are you cool if I were to ask Emily to be on the podcast to talk about, you know, losing her very dear friend, Anne? And so um, Emily was like, well, fuck yeah, of course I will. Why wouldn't I? And so here we are. Here's Emily. I feel like I'm happy to be here. Number one,
2: well, I'm honored to be here and thank you for asking me to be on it. But also when I say even this sentence like, well, I lost my best friend, people don't want to talk about it and they think I'm going to become this blubbering mess. And not that I want to talk about death all the time, but I definitely think that we should talk about it more. Yes, I think that people should. Get more comfortable talking about death because it's like the only common thing that we all really have. Like it's all going to happen to us and we don't know when and we don't know how and we don't know how painful. We don't know how quick and not that I want to sit around and talk about death. But one of the things I like about your podcast is it's funny, it's real, and you can be like sobbing one minute and then laughing the next because that's kind of how I end up going, crying, and then laughing about something ridiculous.
0: Right. That's grief, right? That's what grief does to us. So Emily, kind of walk us through. I didn't ever get the pleasure of knowing Anne, but I have since gotten to know Jim and his friends and family really well. And uh, my my take on it is that she's a complete enigma, a beautiful, beautiful woman that touched and impacted the lives of anyone she came in contact with. So Take yeah. us through your
1: journey. Maybe like start from the beginning. Like, how did you meet her? What was your friendship like? What did you guys like to do together?
2: So I started dating my husband like 19 years ago. He has an amazing network of people he's been friends with for a really long time. And Jim and Ann were the second couple that I met through them. First one was from Aspen, our friends, Nike and Adam, but... The second one was Jim and Ann. And I remember walking into their apartment and Anne, I'm in like a full Adidas red tracksuit. <laughs> Beautiful. Send a picture. <laughs> Anne is um she used to like make homemade soaps and just ultra woo, super little hippie mama. And I'm like, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> But we met through the men, the met, the, my husband, Jake and Jim were years ago. Jim, I think was the hostess at old Chicago off of 36 outside of Boulder. And Jake, my husband was a server, I think. And so these boys met before. So Jake knew Jim and Ann and then they're boys. So they connect differently. You know, they bike, they fish, they party, they see music, whatever, but. Ann and I then kind of blossomed and let the friendship of like our families being friends. I moved around a lot as a kid. So I don't have, you know, friends from kindergarten or second grade. You know, I don't go back to my high school reunions. Like I don't, there's not one female that I talk to or male really that I talked to from high school. I mean, I had a good time in high school, but. I don't have long lasting friendships. So I've been in Colorado for 23 years now. And the women that I met here are really my longest standing relationships. I have one girlfriend outside of Colorado. So one of the crazy things about Anne is I learned how to be a good friend through a lot of these female relationships that I had. and being the main one. Aww. So that was kind of... What's hard, hardest today, you know?
0: Yeah. Tell us what it was like when you found out that, and, you know, someone who made such a big impact in your life, like when you found out that she was sick,
2: how did that feel? Well, I knew about the lump before. And then when she first got diagnosed and I found out it was stage four, it was interesting. The boys were actually on this huge river trip and we couldn't get a hold of them. And if I could have, I would have told Jay to come home. But I came completely unglued. I'm like, she's going to live five years. She's done. She's done. And I, like, kind of lost my mind a little bit. And so I just, I really felt it like she had died when I first found out. Then it went into kind of overdrive, I guess.
0: Yeah. Tell us about that journey.
2: In the beginning, she was super quiet. She was... um just went inside and was just like, this is the worst news ever, blah, blah, blah. But then it was all about, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to beat this. And it was just rallying behind her. The thing about Anne, one of the awesome things about her is she was like a bridge. So she brought people together. The freakier your flag flew, the better. You know, there was never any judgment, Um, but she was a bridge. And sometimes now I think about that. I think like when people... And I don't have a theory on this, but one of my theories or sometimes I, this makes me feel good to think this thought that like when people are not going to be on the earth for that long, their impact is bigger or like their light is better. Like a wise old 90 year old, it's happening in this 41 year old woman's body, you know? Wow, it's beautiful. She brought people together. She was she used to do all of these like goddess gatherings and stuff. So a lot of it was really prayerful. It was quiet. It was a lot of different like ceremonial stuff, like talking positive affirmations and things into her body. And it was really hopeful. A lot of clean scans. I'm going to fucking win, you know, all that stuff, which was a beautiful, hopeful ride to be on, I guess, you know, for a lot of it and then slowly her world just got a lot smaller and a lot more quiet and which i think is interesting too i think she knew for sure probably 3 years before she passed but i don't know our relationship was interesting and some sometimes one of my big regrets is you you kind of or at least i did i changed the way that I spoke to her and she led the march.
0: What do you mean when you say you changed the way you talked to her?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, at the the end, like the last year, I mean, it was like kind of getting her excited to die. I mean, in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, But so if she wanted to talk about it, we talked about it. I mean, a, a lot of it in the beginning, it was just making her laugh, like making her, not remembering that she has, forget about the fact that she has cancer for a minute, you know? I mean, at the end, it was kind of like, um, if I, you know, you just wish you would have said things differently, I guess. Yeah. You know? And and been more honest about how actually sad I was going to be. I mean, the last year was just, I had like a little armor on, you know? Like, she gets to be the broken one. She literally didn't have time for people to be really broken around her. She was terrified, you know?
1: Sure. Yeah.
2: So does that make sense? Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, I, we, I get it. We get it. <laughs> we, get it.
0: <laughs> we totally yeah. get it.
1: We had to, I mean, I had to be gentle around Ross. I, I, I couldn't, I feel like I couldn't be broken either. You know, like I had to be strong for him, um, even though he was in turn being strong for me. But oh, my gosh. Yes, I get it. Yeah, you're, you're making sense.
0: So as someone's friend, you know, how did you make sure that Anne still felt all your love? Right. How did you keep that relationship going despite her going through something so huge and you trying to kind of fit in there? How did that go? How did I communicate my love? Yeah. How did you keep that relationship going? Yeah. So that she knew you were always there. I mean, at the, at the end, I I didn't drink in front of her. So Anne
2: used to be a little wild animal and then just cleaned her shit right up. And it used to be cool. And then it became like, I think, I think when she knew, you know, when we, I mean, we all knew, but I just think it's a really hard thing to be like, yeah, she's going to be gone in six months, you know? So we took a really get this time in and make it, make it, no one was doing that, but um, I I think we tried to just meet her where she was at. Like we, we got her to Telluride Colorado to see the blues and brews festival, which was really delicious and yummy, but, and she didn't feel well a lot, you know, and I'm like, I'm not going to drink anything. You need to go to the hospital. Like I got you. I will bring you to Montrose. I will bring you wherever you need to go. Like you get to do whatever you want. You're going to have your own room. We're all quiet. Like it was sweet, but we would take these walks because that's really all she could do. And she was like, I'm going down. Like it's going down. And so then our conversation kind of shifted like, well, we're all going down. You know, and this is what I mean. It's not like we got her excited to die. I mean, at the end, she would just be like, I have to do this next part alone. No one gets to go with me, you know?
0: Right. And
2: I'm like, we're actually all going to do it alone. (laughs) No matter how I die. Right. It's going to end up being like me, myself, and my own thoughts. And so then it became, she was definitely trying to like, Men some relationships of her life with people very very close to her that she was trying to not like check things off the box but find peace with a lot of people not a lot that's total exaggeration with a few very important people so then it would be well how do we make this happen you know As a typical woman, it's like, here's the problem. Okay, here's six different solutions. So here's the first one and here's how we can help. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to get you a plane ticket and then we're going to get you over there. And then, (laughs) no, it's like micromanaging the problem that you can't fix. Right. (laughs) Trying to offer solutions for an absolute shit situation. Yeah. But what is it that's going to make her be at peace to try to swallow the reality of the situation, you know?
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting. I know Eric, for sure, kind of felt the same way. <laughs> it was, how do you really keep that love alive when you know something so imminent is in front of you? How do you keep that love and that friendship alive when something's so imminent? And you answered it, you just walked beside her. You just stayed on her path, stayed on her journey and kind of kept taking her cues through that.
1: Right, her
0: lead. That's right. And that's what we do as you're guiding someone through grief and through loss is you have to take their lead. But I think one piece of advice I give is you should take their lead. If you love them, be a little selfish though. If you have to have the conversation, you want to have it, have it. Because I think that we are the ones that we're we are left behind, right? And we have to live. You know, we have to live out this miserable yet joyous life for the rest of our lives. If I wouldn't have had some of the conversations with Eric that I had, I, I don't know what, how I'd be. I don't, I don't know. I think you should have the conversations if you want to have them. I think that's great that you're having it, that you had those. I
2: definitely still have regrets there, you know? You do? Like there's a lot of things. Yeah. And people would say that to me, like, you got to just do it. You got to just do it. And there's a lot of stuff. It was like she was too fragile. I I mean, I guess my biggest was the impact and the loss that I was going to feel. I was not honest about that. You know, and at the very end, when she's like in her bed, in the hospice bed, you know, that was so sweet and amazing. But like, she would be like, can you see that I'm crying? And she was on so many drugs. Like, her face was... You could tell that she was crying, but she was so drugged up, like there were no tears coming out of her eyes. Oh. But it was like at the very end,
0: you know, at the right. end, 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 end.
2: Right. Really the last time I saw her breathe, you know?
0: Yeah. Emily, how do you talk to her today? How do you find that, that time to process your grief and to talk to her? That's super
2: interesting. So I am just now getting a therapist. <laughs> about it and about my life in general and all of my craziness that goes on. But that's a big piece of it. And I do have one like beautiful picture of her that I sometimes talk to. That's beautiful.
0: I've only had one dream about her. Oh, you had a dream. That's great. We crave dreams. I've
1: that's only true. had one. It's okay. I've, I've had, only two. had two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's okay. It's okay. I wish we had more.
0: I would kill for a dream every night with that guy.
1: I mean, why are there more dreams? I know. I don't get it either.
0: And there is an afterlife. Like, they are there. Like, why are they not coming in my dreams? Like, I don't understand it. I believe that. I believe that they're there. I mean, sometimes I feel like I can feel her. But not
2: as much as I'd like to. Some people that were in like the inner circle that are really getting weird with it, you know, and it's a it's a beautiful, weird thing. I I like to keep it weird, but I'm not doing that. You know, I'm just like
1: what? Like seance? Like what? Fill us in on the weird because yeah, we're weird know. as fuck. I we'll do, we'll
0: do some weird shit over here in Omaha. I will show up to Colorado. <laughs> you know, thinking of coming to Colorado, so uh, <laughs> you want to get weird, baby? I'm in. <laughs> yeah, not sober activities, you know? Okay. Where it's
2: so, just oh, I, I was talking to her. She's right here. Like I'm not like microdosing mushrooms. Like having conversation. Oh,
0: okay, okay. okay yeah, yeah, that
1: would kind of scare me too. Yeah.
2: That's that's not what I'm doing. And it's not that I don't think microdosing mushrooms is fun. I think it's all fine. I know religion plays a huge part in this. Anne died a Christian, and you know, she was all in. I mean, all in. And yeah. she was a while before she passed. I mean, she talked to me about her faith for a while. And then when she was like embarrassed to tell her friends. Because she was so kind of ultra woo before, but the bottom line is in the last year of her life, this is how she felt and this with strong conviction. And I don't know. I've never died. I don't know any of the answers, but if I'm gonna feel her, I would like it to be as raw dog as it can feel, yeah. not enhanced way, anyway, because I think it would feel more authentic to me. And sometimes I can feel her. And any plant medicine thing I've ever done, it has been beautiful, painful experiences. And I'm sure that I would feel something about her, but I would also feel connection to them all. Do you know what I mean? Where it would we all are,
0: Right. I don't know how to explain it. It is crazy. Some Colorado cock over here. <laughs> Some Crazy Colorado talk going on. Well, we um, I think we can definitely relate to that. Right. It's however you you know, you're right. I don't I don't know. how I don't know if you get to control how you come back in this world. I have no idea. I don't know how you come back. I know I was talking to Violet this weekend. She turned 12. Shout out to Violet. 12 year old now. I said I was laying in bed and I was missing Eric and I was just like, I kind of miss daddy today. Do you miss daddy? She said, no, because he's here. And I said, I know, honey, he is here. He is always here. And I'm like, "Okay, Crystal, you've done a good job. My kids truly believe that Kevin, our dog, is Eric. Like they they believe
1: that Eric has come back as Kevin, the dog. And that's why she's so worried about the dog. Always, Violet is. I would say I have never seen a kid so worried about a dog. It's because of Eric. She yeah. believes
0: like that's where her dad is. Like her, her soul is like, my dad was reincarnated as this dog that sleeps you on my sleep mom's in? ass. Oh yeah. Yeah. I could see that. It's, it's a real thing. Like they truly legit believe it. But I, specifically Violet. Oh yeah. 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 She's, she believes that's I where her dad's at, oh, which
1: Violet. is cool. I know.
2: And the puppy that's... soon after. Oh Yeah.
0: He came. Right. Yeah. Get a puppy like right away, kind of. Yeah. Two days after Eric's funeral, <laughs> I ended up with fucking Kevin. <laughs> and then I also thought, well, now's a great time to remodel my house. And so a whole bunch of new furniture, brand new flooring all through my house. And then Kevin came. <laughs> and Kevin chewed up the carpet. And I would call him Kevin, the carpet munching dog all the time. <laughs> He's since recovered from his addiction. So we're in a better space at our house. <laughs> now, what was the dog born? If the puppy was how old? Like six weeks when you got him? He was born December 29th. So Eric passed away on February 26th. His funeral, I think, was March 4th. And Kevin was born out of that love. And so I go to pick up Kevin and the lady, like unbeknownst to me, I literally just like a week ago found out that Kevin came from a puppy mill. Like no shit. Like, I just processed that. I got there and I'm like, how do you have dogs available? Like nobody has dogs available. It's the pandemic. Oh my. And she's like, I've got a hundred of them. And I'm like, okay, dog whisperer. And she puts Kevin on my lap and Kevin just collapses into my lap. And I'm like, I'll take him. (laughs) Like, this is ours. (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, my neighbor who recommended the place where we got Kevin literally tells me like three weeks ago, hey, you know, this place is on the list of like the top 10 places not to get a dog in Nebraska. (laughs) Poor dead Eric living in Kevin, the puppy mill dog. (laughs) At least he gets to sleep next to my ass every night. Yeah, oh, can't. Kevin. Aww. Emily, tell us more about your kind of like how have things been going with like that gap, like not having your dear friend with you. Do you ever like to pick up the phone? and be like, I should call Anne or I want to text Anne or me and I want to tell her about this. Like, tell us how what that's like today. And how you're managing that. Well, she's still number three in my favorites. Yeah, besides she should my be. mm-hmm. Um,
2: In my phone, I have a bunch of... I started saving her voicemails a year before she passed. Mm-hmm. So, Anne, I moved to Colorado. I moved to Salida, which is two and a half hours south of Denver. And that was awful to me. That's when I felt like I was basically married to Anne in a weird way because I was listening to love songs and sending him to her and being, because I felt like I was leaving her. Like she was like, you're leaving me, you're leaving me. And it was just this window and we just had to go. And she was so sick. So Anne needed a lot of help. And I had a lot of guilt around that because, of, you know, driving her to treatments and the kids and Jim's working his ass off and all this stuff, no family lives where they and where they live in Denver. But anyway, when I first moved here, I would go back to Denver to work. First, it was every other weekend, then it was once a month, then it was once every six weeks. And I would try to see Anne on the going and leaving trips. to. Denver. And then once she passed, I was like, I'm done. But basically, when I moved, our relationship turned into a lot of phone and FaceTime calls. And they came here all the time. Thank God. And I wasn't as busy here. Like now I'm sorry that I don't. There's less time now in my day, but when I first came here, I didn't have a book of business. So there was time in my days and then I would go bust my ass and work in Denver. So there was this space that was filled a lot with Ann. So basically I feel right away and I feel like I'm from the jump when she passed and then also still. I've been trying to give myself space to not fill the Ann void. Which is just really lonely. But yeah, Anne was like this person that I don't think anyone's really gonna fill the void per se, but I can sure like pick up a phone and bullshit with someone for an hour, you know? And, and I'm still working on not doing that.
0: I didn't get to, I, because I didn't get to know Anne, I never, I've only heard stories about her. I can say when I'm around Jim, I feel an energy like it's like there's this presence and I don't know if it's just the enigma that is her, but she seems to make a huge mark on everyone that she met and it's really super special. Yeah. She
2: was a master at making me feel like you were the number one in the room for sure. You know,
0: that's like you, babe. You're looking at me. I'm looking at you. You always make me feel like I'm number one. Uh, Well,
1: you are. (laughs) But I, I don't know if I make everybody feel that way.
0: I think you do. <laughs> I think you make everyone feel special.
1: It is hard to feel that void. Mm-hmm. I I feel you there. So when she first passed, you were trying to fill that void with other, like talking to others or just filling it with other things. Is that what you're saying?
2: No, I am like aggressively trying not, not to, to fill to it right
1: now. Yeah,
2: I can fill fill a hole real quick. Yeah. I'm really good at doing that subconsciously and like just going to pack that right up with a bright and shiny object, you know? Oh, yeah.
1: See, that is where I'm at is where I fill the void. I'm filling it. Constantly filling that void because I don't want to not fill it. (laughs) It's scary to not fill fill it. Mm -hmm. It feels very alone. So I feel you. And we moved here and, you know, it's,
2: it's creating new relationships. It's creating new friendships, you know? And it's like, there's this saying with some of like Anne's yummy, delicious little, that's like a little cult following of women, but what would Anne do? You know, we're going to make shirts.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Send it to us.
2: And it is like, she, I am the least graceful person you'll ever meet, but she was like this the most graceful. And she, she would make you come and get it. Like she would not, she didn't just give shit out, you know, there was no, so, which it was great. So when she loved you, you knew she loved you. Right. And she loved massive. And it was, it's, it's, it was a really amazing love, but it's created, trying to create new relationships here and stuff, you know, I'm like, this hungry Labrador Retriever like hurry, 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 you know. <laughs>
1: oh, and like oh. you know,
2: Anne would sit back and let and let these mamas come to her, you know. That she
1: oh. could be like, No,
2: they'll come. You just wait. Like, no, no, no. You know. Atta a girl, Anne. She left you wanting more, you know? Or I'll just throw it all on the table. It's oh,
0: like Yeah. I haven't um experienced grief of a friend in the sense of death. I have Lost my best friend through my grief journey, and that was very hard for me. Allie, do you remember that? Yes. And yes,
1: your friend left you.
0: Yes, and that was really, really hard for me. Like the friendship ended. The friendship ended, and that was painful. And to be on this earth, um, you know, is is one thing. I can't, you know, my heart goes out to Emily. It's very. I couldn't imagine losing Allie.
1: Yeah. I couldn't either.
0: Like that would be painful. Very painful. Uh, So I think that the message here is that, you know, we talk about the Hot Widows Club podcast, right? And it is about our widowhood journey in a lot of ways. But we aren't the only ones that lose people. And none of us, widows and widowers, we are all just, we lost a spouse and that's painful for us. But there are people who lose people and it hurts. It's so, so hard to lose a child, to lose a friend, to lose... A brother or sister. I mean, all those things are really painful moments. So I think the purpose of the tonight's episode is to understand that everyone is losing someone in this world, right? Everyone is losing a piece of something. So give everybody an opportunity to to share that love and to support one another through it. I feel like for some reason, Emily, I want to tell you to write letters to Anne. And I don't know if that's because I'm a writer. I've never written a letter to Eric myself, but for some reason that feels like a recommendation. I don't know why. Write her a letter.
2: I thought about that. That's the kind of stuff that it hasn't, like the first year it was like, you know, give yourself this grace here of just do whatever, you know, I'm done when I want to cry about it, I cry about it. And then it does feel so much better, but there hasn't been.
0: Like, I I didn't
2: listen to her voicemails until the one-year anniversary. Yeah,
0: I didn't either. Did you listen to Ross's stuff? I don't think so. Not until after. Yeah, it took me a year to listen to. I think I'm going to go home tonight and listen to, after talking to you, I'm going to go home and listen to some stuff, though. That feels like what I want to do tonight. I have a bunch of videos. I just, I did... Just, I was,
2: I don't know. Maybe it was like a year, year and a half before her, before she died. I was like, so basically everything's going to be a photo shoot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So get your shit ready. Okay.
2: And I'm going to ask you stupid questions. I'm going to make you talk about dumb stuff and I'll be, I'll sound stupid, but. Do you have those? I do have That
0: is cool. That is really cool. I do wish I had that.
2: i send some stuff to her mom and sometimes Jim, you know.
1: How is your relationship with her kids? Do you try to keep close to them? Do you talk about her a lot with them? Yes, constantly. Oh, good.
2: And what's wild is it's not a thought out. I'm not like, before they come, I'm going to, oh, look at this and this. And I don't, it's not even premeditated. It's just someone who actually gives a shit. That's like, look, Anne did give me this. Like your mom really did give me this. And look at this, like your mom really did teach me this. And it's not constant like that. It's organic, but I'm like, holy shit, she's all over the place here. But for them, you know, it's like, yeah, no, this is literally from your mom, you know? And like your mom literally made this for me. And then this is just constantly, you know? And they're just like.
1: That is so, can I tell you how special that is? And that I hope that you continue to do that. forever. Never stop. Do Never. not stop that.
0: No. Because yeah. let me tell
1: you, I think it's a female male thing, but like a lot of Ross's friends are so scared of the topic. Mm-hmm. And they have so many stories to share. They're just not ready. But it's like, man, those are treasures. Like they are. That's amazing. You are amazing.
0: Yep. Keep well, doing and, that. And-
2: Anne's sister, like they're all together right now. So Anne's birthday was yesterday and they're all in Tahoe right now. Jim and the girls and Anne's sister. And and then Anne, they have Anne's sister's married and they have Marin, who's awesome. And Violet and Marin are closer in age and they have so many more memories. I mean, I have so many hysterical memories about Violet, you know, (laughs) I mean... Like her pooping, camping, like just fully any, to hysterical stuff, like goofy, <laughs> you know, but um, they just have so many more memories than Lydia, right? But I remember one time they were up here and I was like, had COVID really bad. I get COVID really bad. And I'm like, my memory is like shit right now. Mm-hmm. And Lydia, was like, well, do you remember that my mom died?
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> What a you have
0: to know Lydia to know
1: she's a spirited, <laughs>
0: spirited girl. 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 I
2: w- think absolutely yes. I remember. I'm saying like, did you eat your yogurt? Did I give you yogurt? You know, I'm like, I like, are you hungry? Do you guys need food? Did we already eat? I can't remember. But oh my um,
1: gosh. <laughs> short-term memory.
0: <laughs> yes. No. Yeah, I think that is so special to Incredible. be doing that and serving that. And I know that like I love it when anybody will talk about Eric. I don't care who you are. Oh yeah. If you have a story to tell, tell it. And make it a point too. Like, because my kids love when people bring up stuff about their dad. Mm-hmm. They love it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. My kids consistently ask Allie if they knew. Like they still like can't grasp that you didn't know Eric.
1: Yeah, but they know that they didn't know Ross. I know. So it's so funny. It is funny.
2: Weird. <laughs> Jim and Ann's girls have a lot of women in their life. Her, her memory is going nowhere. That's you know? awesome.
1: That's, That's good. great. That's a testament to her. Yeah, it is.
0: And your friendship is a testament to you too. Like the fact that you'll never let her go. Like I feel like sometimes when Eric's friends get further away from me, it's like, did they forget about him? And then the golf tournament happens and his buddies like walking by and kissing him every time, like he sees his big picture. Right. Just because I know how much he misses him. And then I get refreshed again. Okay. People are not forgetting Eric. Like he's like, everything about him is still alive. Yeah. Were they scared
2: about that? Were they, I mean, Anne used to say, you know, I was like, what are you feeling? Like, tell me what you're, what are you thinking about? You know, be like, I just don't want to be forgotten. You know, I just don't want to be forgotten. And no I'm like, there's no fucking no more,
0: <laughs> Not in happening.
2: LA. Not happening. Like we're not, none of these people are going
0: anywhere. You know? I don't think Eric cared about that. He cared mostly about me and making sure that I was taken care of. All of our conversation was, I want to make sure you're okay. I want to make sure you're taken care of. I got all of this done for you. Eric and I knew he was going to die for a long time. And so we talked about everything. And in fact, like. I'm sure I've shared it on here before. I can't remember because I have short-term memory loss as well. But I remember like the week before he died, like I was cleaning out. So you all know I have a shopping issue and way too many clothes and it's just my life. But I'm cleaning out his clothes and I'm putting them into a tote. And I'm like, we're not going to need these anymore or these anymore because we. that's how open we were with him dying. And he's like, you couldn't have waited another couple of weeks. I was like, I had to get this done. And so, like, we talked about all of this all the time. And he was, you know, he was very well aware of what he wanted. But he never cared about what anybody else thought, wanted, or needed. This quest to keep him alive, I think, comes out of my appreciation for what he did for our family. Like, these three fucking brilliant, hilarious... Cute children
1: that I birthed and me and my love. So, what about you? So, make me cry. But, Ross, again, he everything was about me and the boys. But so, when Ross was diagnosed, Hank was only seven months old and Gus was two. And so, we talked about how much he just wanted to keep living so that his boys would remember him and have actual memories of him. And so his hardest thing with going was knowing that they wouldn't, they would never have specifically Hank would never have memories of him because they were so young. Hank was only two when he died. And so if you ask Hank, he'll tell you a bunch of memories, but they're memories that I told him. And that was really hard for Ross. He struggled with that. And I think that's why he kept fighting so hard is because Mm -hmm. he just wanted to get to an age where those boys had a memory of him. So to say that he wanted somebody to remember him, it was those boys. That was like his thing. And so I will, for till the day I die, (laughs) remind those boys of Mm
0: -hmm. their dad
1: and how amazing he was. I will never
0: stop telling people that I'm a widow and I don't, I can't imagine a world where I don't refer to Eric as my husband. Oh, God, no. I just can't.
1: I can't. Yeah.
0: Like, I will forever keep him alive like that. Yeah. I mean, you'll always refer to Anne as one of your dearest friends. You're not going to say she was or, you know, she just, that's who she factually is and will always be.
2: What, you know, what's interesting too? Like, Anne, I think Lydia was like one. She was still nursing. I remember talking about a lump and she was nursing. So from the timeline gets a little blurry, but Lydia was super young when she got diagnosed. And one of the things that is amazing that Ian got was three pretty good years. You know, none of it was amazing, but there were absolute like spikes of pure joy You know, we got it. She's doing it. You got it. Fuck cancer. We're going to beat cancer. All this, like, just joy. And she was able to do things that she's done in her whole life, you know, and like enjoy and be in love. Like, and to watch her and Jim's relationship evolve over the last years of her life was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And I'm married, you know, their love was something crazy, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. you can't change that feeling when you go through this. There's a new level of love that I didn't think I could ever experience until I was his caretaker. And then the loss that I could never experience until I buried him. And that was awful. But you
2: know what is a great thing is, I mean, I've been with my husband for 19 years and... I love him more today than I did yesterday, right? But becoming parents, the level of love and respect that has come from that, there's no way that I think that we would seal that unless we were parents, you know? And that you guys got to feel that together. And I mean, I don't know, I have never, I have a perfectly healthy husband, so I'm not trying to talk in a turn, but and I hear Jim say it too. He's like, like these girls, at least I have these girls. At least I have these girls. Like I have Ann's wants you know, I have Ann's girls and they help him so much and they look like her, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, the first probably nine months, like I would see them and just like burst into tears, you know? And anytime... I was with Jim, it it was this cry fest and it was, it's beautiful. And it's not like we don't still cry because we do, but they just look like, yeah, I I don't know how to, you know, so you're looking at them and you're just like trying to listen to what they're saying about this, you know, middle school situation that's going on or whatever,
0: but you're like, oh my God, look at your lips,
2: you know? Look at the way that your nose is. (laughs) I
0: wonder I do that too. I think, I mean, I do it, but it's really interesting to hear you say that, Emily, because like, I will look at Ben and I'm like, you look so much like your father. Yeah. And like, I just have this sense of like, I love that people are looking at my kids, hopefully, and thinking you look like Eric- Little Veal looks like Eric. She's got his dimples. Gussie looks so, so, so much like Ross.
1: I know. I could just stare at him all day. Gussie? Yeah.
0: I know. I stare at Benny too. Mm-hmm. He looks so much like Eric. He's long and lean like Eric. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so weird. But you're right. Um, I just want to say that you're absolutely right. I, I don't know what I would do without those boys. My kids are so much more important than they ever were. And it's not that they weren't before. I mean, we all know how special being a parent is, but there's something different when you're the only one and you lost the other piece of your heart and the other piece of them. And it is, it's something special.
0: Yeah. i They literally, like Allie said this before, but I get out of bed because of them. I got off of the couch because of them. I can't think of an episode that you don't say. Your kid saved your life.
1: I say, I, because it's the truth, you guys. It's right. the absolute truth. I They save all of us, I right? Can't, I can't, I just don't think I would be here. I really don't. They yeah. have saved me over and over and over.
2: Well, yeah, because then it's like, well, if, when your person dies, then you're like,
1: well, where in the fuck did they go?
2: Maybe I should just go find
1: them. Right. Or I just want to be with them.
2: This glorious place, heaven, whatever you want to, whatever floats your boat. But it is... I mean, I believe that Anne's in heaven. That's what I believe. And that's what she believes. You know, no one's coming back. So it's got to be really fabulous. You know,
0: (laughs) (laughs) well, that's a point, Emily. (laughs) Fuck. I mean, you could have told me that when we met in May last year. (laughs) Okay. well, there's perspective. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know heaven hell i once when i was in middle school i made a hyper stack that's how old i am if i'm dating myself um uh, it's before powerpoint and it was called nirvana heaven hell or just really good music yeah. <laughs> so anyways that's what i always think like where's eric somewhere in nirvana <laughs> oh my gosh all right guys well. well it's probably time for us to say good night hankers just joined us in the studio
1: I'm sorry, guys. Yeah.
0: And I love you, Hankers. you, <laughs> <laughs> Guys, so much for having me.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yes, thank it's you a so, delight. so much. It was I a great you. new perspective. I loved hearing the stories. All right, guys. Check out Hot Widows Club Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or send us an email at Podcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. Good
1: night. Bye, Emily. Bye, Emily. Bye. Thank you, guys.